I'm going to explain it so that we can understand it. We are now in verse 12 of 1 Peter chapter 1. And Apostle Peter, in the first letter, he went as far as saying, this grace that God has promised us, in verses 1 to 11 that you have studied, see, this grace of God that we are now enjoying salvation, that we are enjoying the prophets of old, that's in verse 10, they saw this thing coming. And they were prophesying of this thing, even they didn't live to enjoy it, but they were seeing it coming. And we are now the one that have seen that have seen this salvation because Jesus Christ is what you are seeing that there will be a salvation, there will be a Messiah coming that will share his blood. And according to Isaiah chapter 53, he was wounded for our transgression. They said they were seeing the, the, the glory that you follow. Look at it in verse 10. Let me start from verse 10 of first Peter. It's of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. Who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you? That's this grace we are enjoying now that we are born again, we are saved, we are now saints of the most high God. Verse 11, he said, They are searching, searching what? And what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify? When he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. That is, Apostle, uh, uh, and the good example of, of that was what Isaiah the prophet prophesied. If you go and ask Isaiah when he was preaching it then, he couldn't understand it himself, but he was receiving it and was writing it down for us. Chapter 5, chapter 53 of Isaiah, chapter 53 said, who, who has believed our report? Unto whom has the hand of God been revealed? He said that he was wounded in verse 4. He said, Christ, he was prophesying about Christ, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by Israel we were healed. He was seeing it ahead of time, hundreds of years before it happened. And the glory that you follow, he was seeing it. And that's what Apostle Peter was referring to when he said, they were prophesying of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that you follow. What is the glory that follow? Christ enter his glory. He is now appearing and disappearing. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the God of heaven and earth. That's the glory that follow. But not only for him as Christ, but we that are believing, we are a glory is following us. We are being saved from our sins. We are being made holy. Joy and peace is coming to our life. And gentleness and tranquility is coming to our life. And that is a glory that is just following. And then we are going to be like him in the end. That is the glory that is to follow. And Christ is going to resurrect the dead. The dead in Christ will resurrect for us. And this kingdom of this world will be given to the saints of the most high God. That is the glory that is to follow. They prophesy about these things. I, Daniel the prophet mentioned some of those things also. And that's what the Apostle Peter was referring to that these prophets, they saw this thing coming and they were prophesying. And up till now, God is still revealing some more things that are still coming. That's what I was trying to say in the last broadcast. Many more things that we are seeing that the Bible says is coming to happen in the future, our own future, like the rapture. We are going to go and meet him in the year, still in our future. So that is another thing we are seeing that is we are searching when will it happen? Many people saw visions of people going up in the sky, rapture, rapture. And they were relating to you and me. I've seen many of you like that too. But those are all like the, the prophets of also saw Jesus Christ coming and the glory that follow Christ. We are seeing the future of our own time. That the future is that Christ is coming to take us in the rapture, go to meet him in the sky, and we are telling people. And if it comes in our time, that means we are the people that are enjoying. If it does not come in our time, 
If it comes in our time, we are going to enjoy. If it does not come in our time, we are just going to be like those prophets who are writing it ahead of time that it is coming because his future is coming. God has said it will come, it will come. Verse 12. Unto whom it was revealed, he's talking about these prophets of old that saw this thing and wrote it down for us and testified that this glory, when Christ shall come, you bring the glory to mankind and many that receive it will be saved and we go to another new world to come where Christ is going to bring the kingdom of God. They were seeing it coming, they were reporting it. He said, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, that they now realize that many of them are realizing that they may not enjoy it in their first life, but God is going to resurrect them. You know that according to the other prophecies that Christ said, I will raise them up at the last day. And when the angel told Daniel in the book of Daniel, chapter 12, Daniel wrote this and said, what will be the end of this thing? Daniel couldn't understand these things. He told him, Daniel, you just write it down. It may not be for you. He said, but it will be for the end. And he said, but thou shalt fall into your own lot. Let me read that part, that part, part to you. In Daniel chapter 12. So this is what Apostle Peter was alluding to, that all these prophets, they wrote this thing down. And the, and the Spirit of God was saying that it's not for them that they are writing this thing. It's for the future generation. But of course, they are going to all be resurrected in the end to enjoy everything that we are talking about in the new kingdom of Christ that is coming. This is what the angel was telling Daniel in Daniel chapter 12. Verse 13, the last verse, telling Daniel, he said, But thou, go thou thy way, that's telling, talking to Daniel directly, till the end be, for thou shalt rest, that was Daniel, we rest, meaning we die, and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. You see that? The angel was prophesying to Daniel that, you will rest. I mean, you will go, you will grow old and die, but you will stand in your lot in the end of the day, which means he will be resurrected at the end with the with the saints to stand in his lot, and that is what we are seeing that is coming to happen. You can say, is that uh, is that going to happen? Yes. This is what the book of Revelation said in the book of Revelation chapter twenty that Christ will raise all the dead in Christ shall rise first. That includes all those old time prophets that were dead before Christ came. They all will be resurrected to live in the kingdom of Christ for 1,000 years, first, first part, and then they will be in the eternity. And that's what the angel was telling Daniel, that you will rest and stand in your lot at the end of the days. Daniel chapter 12, verse 13. And Apostle Peter was just telling, telling the same thing, referring to it, that they were prophesying of this thing, and the Spirit of God was telling them that it's not unto them, but unto us. They did minister this thing, that's verse 12 of First Peter chapter 1. Not unto them, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you, with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desired to look into. Even angels couldn't understand most of these things, especially many of the angels. The angel that was talking to Daniel in the book of Daniel chapter 12 was an archangel, Gabriel. So he knew many of those things. But many other angels didn't even know more of those things. They just do whatever they are told. You just do whatever they are told to do. To go and minister to a man or not. To go and minister to some prophets or not. They just do whatever they are told. They didn't know most of all these things that God is planning for mankind. And that's why Apostle Peter was saying that even angels desire to look into these things. So you and I, we are blessed for knowing this. We are partakers of these things. And when you believe it, you are blessed. And don't lose it, my brother. Don't lose it, my sister. All the farm. That's what Apostle Peter's epistle is telling us. Verse 13 says, Wherefore, as it therefore, Guard of the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is 
to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The hope to the end. Hold it firm. Don't lose it, my sister. Don't lose it, my brother. This is a great glory. Prophets have been looking for this thing. And they were telling us what is coming to happen. Some of we are now enjoying this salvation of being saved from our sins, being called saints of the Most High God, able to talk to angels, able to talk. But we have not got everything yet. There's still some more things coming in the future, like the rapture, like the kingdom of Christ, where it will be a millennial reign, when there will be no more sickness, no more death. That Christ has said is coming for 1,000 years on this planet Earth. That is coming soon. The rapture will be before that. And then the day the Christ will be resurrected, when Christ is coming. And of course, the world will have been destroyed by the world war, and God will clean up the earth. For that 1,000 years, Satan will lock them in the bottomless pit. That is in the book of Revelation, chapter 20. Go and read it yourself. Now, he said, Oh, farm to all this and be sober and up to the end for this grace, for this gift that God is bringing to mankind. See, God has given humanity a long time. For us, it's a long time. To so God, it's like six days. But we say, 1,000 years to God is like one day. So we have been here for about 6,000 years. That looks like so long, you see. But to God, it's just a few days. And that's why it is for it is it is it is wise for us to all farm until the end. Because those who are dead, they will be resurrected again to live forever on this planet. And that's the plan of God. Now, verse 14. Now it says, As obedient children, exhorting us now, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. Don't follow all this former sinful nature that you are delivered from as a deliverer now. But as he, verse 15, as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That is, we are called, he's called, exhorting us to be holy. In all manner of conversation means in words, in deeds, in our interaction with people, in our interaction with one another, in our words, let it be holiness. That's what it means in our, in our conversation, in our manner of conversation. Verse 16 says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So, what does holiness mean? Just godly, be like God. What, how, think of God. How, what will God do in this situation? How we ask God, how does God want us to act in this situation? Because say, Walk in love, loving one another. And when you begin to practice that, you are, you are, you are living the holy life. Loving humanity. See, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Try to control your temper. Self-control. Those are the fruits of the Holy Ghost that we should exercise, manifest. See, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, temperance. That's self-control. Brotherly kindness. All of those things that Apostle Peter and Apostle Paul listed for us to practice. We should practice it daily. For we want to be like God. We want to we want to please the Lord our Father. That's why we should practice all those things. And that's what he's exhorting us. That we should be holy for I am holy is what God says. Verse 17. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judge it according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Because remember, if you are calling on the Father God, who is always pure and just and is not going to be partial, then live your life here in fear fearing God that's what he's saying so you know you call you're calling on the father who according to every is going to judge every man according to their work then so make sure that you are doing your sojourning on this and that we are like pilgrims on that so you live your life as a pilgrim on that in fear of God verse 18 for as much as ye know 
that you were not redeemed with with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So just, you all, everybody remember, we are saved from our sins, not with money. You didn't, have, you didn't pay with gold or silver. You pay with so precious blood. That is so precious that we better take it seriously. That's what I say. Take it seriously. As much as you know that you are not redeemed with gold and silver, from this, from this, uh, we, we, we are not redeemed with corruptible things like gold and silver. From all this ungodly conversation of sin, we are redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So, if you know that that's a precious thing for someone to share his blood, to save us, to bring us out of darkness into Himself, then we better take it seriously. That's what he's saying. Verse 20 says, Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, that is, Christ was foreordained to do this for us, but was manifest in these last times for you. God waited till 4,000 years before he brought the Messiah to save mankind, so that in the main 2,000 years, the world was being converted, as many as we come to Christ. God has already planned that. He prophesied through when Adam and Eve stole the, he said the, the seed of the woman, we bruise the head of Satan. That was prophecy about the Messiah will come and destroy the works of the devil in our lives. And God waited the fourth, the fourth day to bring that to manifestation. And he has already prophesied this in the book of Genesis that the sun appeared, the light, the sun appeared on the fourth day. What does that mean? The sun. He created the sun on the fourth day. He was more than prophesying what is going to happen. The sun is representing the Messiah, the moon representing the body of Christ. That will be brought forth by the reflection of the sun. So those are all prophetic. Prophetic. But this apostle, apostle Peter is referring to it that it was from the foundation of the world God has planned this thing, and it was manifested in this last time for for us when Christ came and died for us, and then rose again. Verse twenty-one: Who by Him do believe in God? We believe in God through Christ that raised Him up from the dead and gave Him glory. That your faith and hope might be in God. Our faith is in. God who raised our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 22 says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. So Apostle Peter is summarizing what his exhortation is all about. Remember, since we have now purified our soul in obeying the truth through the Spirit of God, Unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See, we are to remember we are being brought to come into the divine love. Divine love is the cap, capstone of all that God wants us to be. Divine love. Because that's really his love for mankind. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Is the commandment God gave to mankind through Moses. That shall not kill. That's all of those things are love your neighbor as yourself. First law is love God. And then the, first, the second one summarizes all those. Or seven or eight, love your neighbor as yourself. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you won't kill, you won't steal, you won't commit adultery, you won't do all ten lies and be having false reason against your neighbor. Your neighbor is anybody. So remember that. That's why he said God is bringing us back to unfeigned love of the brethren, not just the believers, but to love for your humanity and be kind to many people and to all the people who are not, uh, not the not the judgmental. So you see that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently. 
if you keep exercising that and work on that and god is helping us to do it because it is god that walketh in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure verse 23 he said that we're being born again that's the summary the word that is terminology that is used for our new life which christ is giving to us is being born again that's what christ called it he told nicodemus in the book of gospel of john chapter 3 nicodemus was here one of the rabbis pharisee one of those who have knew the law of moses they have tried their best and they saw this messiah doing wonders what did he get to get to know god like this nicodemus came to to find out and jesus told him because he was god manifesting the flesh so you must be born again how can you be born again we are old he said by spirit and by water so that is the salvation Christ has brought to us. We are being born again, rebirth. Our spirit is being reborn, reborn by God. And that is what we call being born again. It's a miracle. You say, well, when I go and join the church called Redemption, that's when I will be born again. No, it is you calling Christ to come and turn you over. Come and change your life. Come and accept to come and be in you. That is when you are born again. It is not joining the church that makes you be born again. It, church of people that are like-minded is to exhort one another after they are already born again then they are you invite you come so that you can know about this christ and you give your life to christ and he gave you this new birth then you'll be able to fellowship with those that are born again so wherever the fellowship that's what they call the fellowship of the born again believers see so it's not by joining that church that you become born again you are to be born again when you accept christ so you can join any church and never be born again because people are born by their parents and they are in this particular church and they hear the preaching every time of their life and they may never really be born again until they know that they are sinners and they realize that they needed the savior and they call upon him in prayer you ask jesus christ to come and take you over you surrender your life to him and he will come and take you over and he give you this new heart in you it is a miracle he does in our spirit he took the old spirit out and gave us a new spirit and it is you asking him so come on to me is what he said you say i come lord jesus christ do this miracle for me i accept you as my lord and savior but say if you believe with your heart on the lord jesus christ that jesus christ is your lord and confess with your mouth that god has raised him from the dead that was the first thing they were preaching in first when they were preaching they have to believe that he rose from the dead because that's what the jews in the they wanted to they want to cover it don't 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 say he was rose from there just say his disciples kidnapped his body and it was not his name. And these apostles have to first be presenting that you have to believe that he rose from the dead because we saw him. He's not going to show himself to everybody just to prove himself. No, we saw him and then he went up to heaven just like Elijah went up to heaven by himself. We saw him go to heaven and they are bearing that witness. And the Sanhedrin, the rulers of the Israelis, they wanted to bury that story and say, just say he was stolen, his body was stolen. To cover it up, they see the crew cover it up. So that was why they were preaching all of those things in that generation that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that He is the Lord. You have to believe in your heart, not just in the head knowledge. I think I think I believe. No, you have to believe in your heart. Wholeheartedly that I believe in the Lord, God manifested in the flesh. And then that He rose again from the dead, which the Jews are trying to bury. You have to believe that and confess it with your mouth. And you don't be afraid to say it. Just if you have believed, let me read it to you in the Roman the book of Romans. That's how Apostle Paul was saying people will be saved when they believe it and confess it. If thou shalt believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, and confess with your mouth that God has raised him from the dead, verse 
de Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with, the, with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, you have to verbalize it, say with your mouth, and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's how we get the newborn, new, new birth. You wholeheartedly believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, is the God manifested in the flesh. That's what Lord means. It's my Lord, I accept as my Lord and my Savior. Then he said, You shall be saved. And that's what Apostle Paul, that's when we are born again. And verse 23 of First Peter was saying, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, the word I just preached to you, which liveth and abideth forever. That word we just preached right now, just pointing it out in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. You believe it, you confess it. You are part of us. You are born again. Christ will give you the new birth. You experience something. That's what we are saying. It's not like where I just think I am born again. No. You will experience something. What do you mean by experience? If somebody pour water upon your body, don't you feel it? Yeah, that's an experience. That's what you mean. If something happens in you that's making you to just have a calmness, a peace, that you just, that you just, the whole world can go away, you just have peace. That is an experience. That's what this guy is giving. Somehow, something will change in you when it's when you confess him and ask him to come in. And when he comes in, something changes, something snaps. Some people say it's like a, 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 a ton of guilt rolled away from their chest. And they are no more feeling guilty. They feel like they are now accepted by God. It's a, an experience that you make. Some people just find a peace in their soul. That the world does not matter to them anymore. No matter what they are going through, they just have a peace. That's the experience. That is, one day God gave that experience and it will be permanent. And the world can go away, you just know that God is with you. That is a peace that God gives from time to follow. So all those experiences, what people experience that make them know the day you are born again. It just, it's like a rubber stamp of the day you are born again, that you experience a peace or you experience a rolling of a guilt, like a ton of brick roll away from your soul, you are free. And that is, that is what born again experience is an experience. I'm telling you that it's an experience that you experience it when Christ comes in, you just ask him in prayer. And it's just one day and then you belong to him from that day forward. Just begin to follow the scriptures and you are accepted. And when you, if you die, you are going to glory with him. And he said, I will raise them up at the last day. That's what I've been talking to you about. Verse 24, 1 Peter. Here he said, For all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is as the flower of grass, the grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Now, he was more or less summarizing what he's talking about at Luke. All the flesh, all flesh is as grass, human beings. All the glory of man is as the flower of grass. So don't put your trust in the physical thing you can see. Look for that eternal glory that God is promising. And that eternal glory is what the gospel is about. People sometimes they are kumbar about by what is the cares of this life. Or I can eat and drink. And how much money they can make. And trying to keep this world they are accumulating. They forget the afterlife. They forget that you are pilgrims upon this earth. That is, God is, we are, we are in a temporary phase. Let's put it that way. The whole humanity, as of now, we are in a temporary phase. 
That's why people die. Whether they die young or they die old, they go to a place where they are resting. For the last time, God is going to resurrect all humanity out of the graves. But then there will be a separation in the final end where the those who are saved will be will be brought to live, those who are not saved will be thrown into a lake of fire. The human race believe that all religious are preaching that, but what they didn't know is that Jesus Christ has come to make some people holy. Anyone that will come unto him will be automatically accepted, and you will be one of those that will be saved in the end. And that's why Christ said, We raise them out last day. But for those holy people, there will be a forced resurrection. In the book of Revelation, chapter 20, because this is the summary of the first epistle of Peter, chapter 1. We're going to go back to chapter 2 in a moment. But let me read chapter 20 of the book of Revelation and point it to you where the Bible said, The dead in Christ shall rise forth, and they that are alive, they that are resting forth, they will be given this word again to live for 1,000 years. The, the book of Revelation, chapter 20, let me read some few verses there. Here is the book of Isaiah, and I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he lay hold on the dragon that Satan, that old serpent which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. See, Lord Jesus Christ is the one calling the shots. Those that are beheaded for the witness of Jesus, they were dead, yeah. They were, their souls are going to live again. Look at that. And for the word of God, and we shall not worship the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their voice or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now, you say they live, means that you are resurrected. That's what the Bible says. Verse 5 said, But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. See, this is the first resurrection. That's what I'm trying to point out. That the dead in Christ will be resurrected first to live. To live for 1,000 years. Verse 6 says, Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now that is the one thousand year reign of Christ on earth. After that one thousand years will be some other, you can read the rest of chapter 20 of the book of Revelation, where the people in the world for that one thousand years will be allowed to populate the earth again. Those are the people that did not die in the world war. They will be allowed to complete the earth again, and that's in the end, they will also be tested by allowing Satan to test them. And they follow Satan, and God have to destroy them. Then come the real resurrection of all the dead that will be thrown into the lake of fire. It's like cleaning up this planet. God is going to clean up this planet for all those bones of the dead. That's why he's going to resurrect all the dead out of this planet and throw those that are unholy into the lake of fire to be Satan. And some still be saved at that time, but only God knows all they say about their works. So, but we are saying that's why we are saying 
you will have a better hope if you are living in the generation where Christ is preaching the gospel. When you are preaching the gospel of Christ, you have a better hope. Come unto Christ and be saved. That's a better hope than thinking you might make it at that time. Christ is giving salvation to those who are going to be resurrected first. For 1,000 years, they will live and live and reign. They are not going to be the ones to be judged in that final world. They are the ones judging those people. I pray that the Lord will give you the understanding and give you the grace to accept Christ if you have not accepted him. And if you have accepted Christ, hold firm to the end. It's what the Apostle Peter is saying. This is say, Wherefore, guard up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you and the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's verse 13. That's first Peter chapter 1, verse 13. God bless you. We're going to chapter 2 in the next broadcast. Amen.